Welcome to the Minnesota Health and Wellness Show. This program is about your health and your life. We cover topics ranging from health care, elder care, end-of-life care, and support for our caregivers. We have a very special show planned for you today. My name is Ken Hagland, and joining me in studio is Heidi Simon, MSW and licensed generalist social worker. We will be discussing grief and the holidays and ways to cope with the loss of a loved one and how to support those who have experienced the loss during this unique time of the year. Each week, we bring you experts from across the health and wellness field to provide insights and recommendations on how to navigate the complexities and challenges of managing both you and your family's health and quality of life. We also focus on our senior population and how we can help you prepare for the various stages of life's transitions. In addition, we provide vital information for the caregivers who are essential to supporting our elder population. I am grateful for the opportunity each week to discuss these timely and relevant topics with you, and I am thankful for the tremendous response you, our listening audience, have provided to us regarding this unique radio show. Please continue to send us your questions, comments, and suggestions. This radio show is brought to you each week by Minnesota Hospice, an independent, physician-owned medical practice serving local Minnesota communities for over 10 years with innovative and comprehensive end-of-life health care. If you have any questions regarding end-of-life care or support, please contact the compassionate team of experts at Minnesota Hospice at 952-898-1022 or visit them online at minnesotahospice.com. Well, Heidi, I want to introduce you and tell you how much I appreciate you being on the show today. Uh, thank this you, Ken. Is, I'm, I'm honored. This is very uh, a very special show. Um, we are broadcasting this during the holiday period. And um, in your practice as a medical slash hospice social worker, mm -hmm. you work with families and patients as well as the community um, as they grapple with the loss of a loved one, yes. both on a preparatory level and anticipatory level, but also then after the fact. Right. And uh, so this, today's show is going to be just focused on grief and, and the uniqueness that grief has in the holiday time period that we're in. So I want to just um, give people a quick uh, definition of what grief is. Um, and uh, the Mayo Clinic uh, put an article out um, a while back that said that grief is a strong, sometimes overwhelming emotion for people, regardless of whether their sadness stems from the loss of a loved one or from a terminal diagnosis they or someone they love has just received. They might find themselves feeling numb and removed from daily life, unable to carry on with regular duties while saddled with their sense of loss. It goes on to say that grief is a natural reaction to loss, and it's a universal mm -hmm. but also a personal experience, and individual experiences of grief vary and are influenced by the nature of the loss. Some examples of loss include the death of a loved one, the ending of an important relationship, job loss, the loss from theft or the loss from independence through disability. So grief is a very universal emotion and we all experience it differently and we're going to talk about that today um, with the uh, the experiences that you've had in in your career so um, let's let's jump into this conversation I'm really looking forward to this the first the first area we want to talk about was creating space for hope and healing right and um, as as we experience the change of seasons mm -hmm. and it, it brings us to the holidays um, this can be a very challenging time for many, as we all know. But Heidi, can you talk about the bereavement program of Minnesota Hospice and explain what that all entails? Yes. So we, of course, you know, from the time that someone receives a diagnosis um, that their condition is terminal, I mean, you know, or actually the diagnosis itself, 
there's there's a grief experience. And then, of course, when it moves to that place of, of being terminal, it's exacerbated, and now the shift has focused. The hope has changed from what we are wanting in terms of a cure and that longevity to what can this time in my life look like? How can I move through things that I need to make peace with? And how can I help my family because I'm leaving them? And so we, of course, are providing that support all along the way. And then once our friends, our patients, have made their transition, we have bereavement services, whether it's phone calls, um, you know, visits, whatever that looks like, because we individualize it based on what the caregivers, what the families are wanting and needing. And so we follow, we follow them for 13 months after their loved one has departed. And in addition to that, we also provide support to our facility partners because we know that the caregivers and the people that are in daily contact with our patients are experiencing that loss as well. And we've learned that when patients or residents, in this case, are in assisted living or long-term care and the caregivers they have there care for them full time. Yes. I mean they're the the caregivers are there twenty well, they're they're there for their shifts, but there's twenty four hour care. And and these caregivers become very bonded yes. with their residents and or their patients in long term care. They do. And 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 they do experience loss. And sometimes they don't necessarily acknowledge it. And then they wonder why they may have these feelings or changes in their life and don't quite understand where it's coming from. Absolutely. And you know, as you mentioned earlier, grief is an individual experience, but it's also something that we do in community. It's a collective experience. And the holidays tend to have a way of magnifying that because traditionally it is a time of celebration and joy, but it's not necessarily that way for everyone. You know, of course, we're recognizing our profound fullness that we have. And on purpose, we're dwelling in all the abundance that we have. We're indulging in full homes and friends and family and laughter because these are the things that also help us move through just the everyday challenges in our lives. So, of course, we're doing that, but we're also taking inventory of our lives and acknowledging that, that all is good and all is right, and we're celebrating the presence that we have. But... That's also not true for everyone and also not happening for them right now. Even though we have all kinds of reasons that we can feel fortunate and grateful and give thanks, this season can also be marked more than anything else by absence. There are um, so many times that we're surrounded by noise and activity and life is happening, but we just can't help but drift over to that quiet space that now remains unoccupied. It's, it's almost like a, uh, a cruel vacancy of that empty chair. And I just have to say to our friends and listeners that you're not alone. Um, even though we know that the holidays nurture that gratitude, and there's this idea that they, they deposit this peace within us, we also know that they have a way, again, of magnifying that loss. And in, in the middle of all of that celebration and, and gratefulness, reminding us of what is incomplete and, and what we are missing and who we're mourning. And that empty chair is different for everyone, even though it's equally intrusive in its own way. And so for some, that chair, that place, is it represents a vigil. It's for people who have estrangement in their in their lives, it's a hope of a prodigal loved one that maybe would return, a severed tie that could be repaired, um, you know, that hope of a reunion. So it's it's a place for patient but painful waiting. And for others, as we know, it's a place for memorial. It's that reminder of what was and what no longer will be and probably will never be again. Um, it's sometimes where we grieve and we eulogize someone, we remember them. It's, it's as if you're sitting there and you're looking across at that chair and you're just trying so hard to see that face, wanting so much to reach out to that hand and hear that voice. And for others, it's a more fresh wound. Maybe it's, it's the fresh fallout of a brutal battle that we chose or maybe we had it thrust upon us. Um, and the aftermath has yielded that silence. And I think for a lot of us, it's the silence that can be so difficult to adjust to because that's that representation of that person. And it's a place that, you know, sometimes it's necessary to have that painful separation, but it still hurts. 
Yes, I. Um, you know, one of the key questions that we all receive in our professions is when we see that in somebody, and as a human, we can start to feel that sim that that heaviness and that sadness. Right. And always the questions we get is, how can we help somebody in, in their grieving or in that time? What is it that we can do? You know, can I think ultimately, if I were to say one thing, it would be to be a witness to that experience, to be present. Um, a lot of times, of course, we don't want to see someone be in pain. We ourselves don't want to feel that because it can be excruciating. But at the same time, it, it is part of it. And we have to be careful that we're not prescriptive. You know, giving the, you should be able to do this, or maybe you should still facilitate this part of the holiday that you usually do. Um, or the at least, at least you still have your other children or, or family around you. Well, I hear the music here, Heidi. The first segment went by so fast. Let's pick up on that when we get back from a break here. It's time for a short break. We'll be right back to continue our conversation about grief in the holidays with Heidi Simon, hospice social worker with Minnesota Hospice. Please stay with us. Hi, this is Laura, and I want to tell you about my family's favorite thing. It's our wood stove. We bought it about 14 years ago from Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces. And see, the wood stove has actually paid for itself because we can keep the main area that we live in toasty warm with this great moist heat. But more important than saving money, it has actually improved our lives. Having a fire simplifies life. It provides comfort. It sort of takes the chill out of winter. I'm Peter Solak. In 1977, I started Woodland stoves and fireplaces and I experienced the simple joy of warming myself by a fire. I also realized that the place and the way we embrace fire has evolved in a diversity of forms and styles. So at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces we have brought together the widest selection of our fireplace products and technical knowledge in the Twin Cities. Our mission is to use our knowledge to help you choose the design and function that is right for you and your home. Visit Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces today and find the right fire for you. I'm Richard R.J. Eskow, and this week on the Zero Hour, Tom Hartman on the climate emergency, Nathan J. Robinson on 2018 in Review, What's Killing Journalism, and Debt, Poverty, Uncertainty, They're Not Your Fault. All this and more on the Zero Hour, every Sunday night from 9 till midnight on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Located just north of 50th in France, the Great Wall Restaurant has provided a delicious taste of authentic Chinese cuisine since 1981. Specializing in Sichuan and Peking dishes, they offer one of the most extensive menus in the Twin Cities. Favorites include hot and sour soup, pan-fried dumplings, and mushu pork with homemade Chinese pancakes. Stop by their Edina location or call for takeout at 952-927-4439. See the full menu at greatwallrestaurant.us. Hi, I'm Kirk. And I'm Chad. With Bricks Real Estate and the House Geeks Real Estate Show, Sundays at noon on AM 950. Here with your House Geeks Market Minute. 3.18 is the average number of showings per week per listing in the 200 to 400K price range for the Minneapolis area. This is down year over year and is a main indicator of demand in the marketplace. Pending home sales are also down over the same time last year, 8.3%. The conventional 30-year interest rate is at around 4.63%. This is also down over last week. Conclusion for buyers. More inventory means more choices and more negotiation room. For sellers, if you're not on the market yet, sit tight. Once we clear the holidays, the market traditionally picks up quickly. Want to know the smarter way to buy and sell homes in the Twin Cities? Check us out online anytime at housegeeks.com.
It was a big, big world, but we thought we were bigger. Pushing each other to the limits, we were learning quicker. By 11, smoking herb and drinking burning liquor. Never rich, so we were out to make that steady bigger. Once I was 11. Welcome back. You are listening to the Minnesota Health and Wellness Show. This radio program is brought to you each week by Minnesota Hospice, an independent physician-owned medical practice serving local Minnesota communities for over 10 years with innovative and comprehensive end-of-life health care. If you have any questions regarding end-of-life care or support, please contact the compassionate team of experts at Minnesota Hospice at 952-898-1022 or online at minnesotahospice.com. My name is Ken Hagland, and joining me today in studio is Heidi Simon, hospice social worker with Minnesota Hospice. And this is a very special edition program of our radio program, and we are talking about grief and the holidays. And I wanted to mention that uh, at the end of the last segment, Heidi, we were getting um, into um, how the sense of loss can can affect a person. And it, it reminded me of a book that I read by Carol Truman uh, that's titled Feelings Buried Alive Never Die, where she describes why you feel the way you do in times of loss and how those feelings actually began and how they got started. And she also explains how to acknowledge those uncomfortable feelings and the effect the feelings, thoughts, and emotions mm-hmm. we have affect our physical health. Uh, she offers strategies to transform feelings of grief and loss to prevent you from getting stuck and hindering your personal growth and wellness. And I know a lot of your practice is about helping people take that journey and walk with them through that process. Right. Because I, we, we see a lot of people that do get stuck in that, and it's something that can last for years or even a lifetime. Yes. And unfortunately, that's not what the grief should be done in a healthy process. And I know we're going to talk more about that here throughout the show. But um, anyway, I want to just make sure we, we had a chance to wrap up that last segment um, about how people that, that are watching one of their loved ones or someone they care about um, go through grief and, and how awkward and uncomfortable it kind of is and not knowing what to do. Right. And the thing is, we can't have love without grief. They, did, they go hand in hand. So it's really unavoidable. No matter what the loss is, when we are connected to something and we have feelings for it and about it, we are going to experience grief. And so I wanted to share a quote that I think really helps just put it in perspective. And it's, the reality is that you will grieve forever. You will not get over the loss of a loved one. You will learn to live with it. You will heal and you will rebuild yourself around the loss you have suffered. You will be whole again, but you will never be the same, nor should you be the same, nor would you want to. And that's a quote written by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who just has done extensive research and writing and offerings around our grief experience. Yeah, that is, uh, that's profound. So, Heidi, what, what are some of the things that we can do to be able to move through our grief and also respect and understand what other people are doing as they go through their grief process? Well, one of the things that we know for sure is that our grief experience is a full spectrum experience, meaning it affects every aspect of our being. We, we tend to focus, of course, most, more on the emotional impact because we do feel that sadness, the anger, the isolation that comes along with it. But when we also experience the physical impact of it, so the cognitive and the behavioral effects that we can have, sometimes we get surprised by that and we get confused. We get a little fearful about, well, what's happening? Why am I not being able to keep a thought in my head or I'm, you know, I, I do this drive all the time. Why am I feeling like I don't know where I'm going? And, and so I think it's really important for us to understand the ways that grief can interrupt those areas, such as our sleep and our appetite, our physical health gets affected. And I think 
it's really important with that to cultivate that care and support because we do all grieve in our own way. So it's really important to honor what is that outlet that I might need that would be different than what you might need, Ken. Um, and there's all kinds of ways that, that we do that. And I think there's, there's three main ways if I were to, to put a category, and that would be to have movement, to have breath, and to be able to have reflection. So I also know that we all, we include these typically in our daily practices. And we, it may be something that, you know, we think, well, I already do all of that. But grief can be a game changer. So sometimes we have to change our strategies about how to keep those things in our life. And it doesn't necessarily have to be huge changes, but just little ways to stay connected to those three areas. Um, because honestly, we can feel exhausted and irritable and anxious and just in general feel on edge. So I guess, you know, in the movement area, incorporating or adding in that physical activity, understanding, of course, we're not necessarily talking about doing a marathon, but for some people that is their answer. But just what is that daily connection that we can make? Maybe it's a five-minute walk. Maybe it has something to do with things we're doing around the house. Maybe we're doing dishes or we're playing with kids. Whatever it is, um, finding that time. And I think yoga can also be something that for people can be helpful because it involves movement, but it also involves quiet. And a, and a stillness. Um, going for a hike or a walk outdoors. I mean, nature has a profound impact on our healing and giving us what we need. And then I think spending each day just focusing on taking a breath. I don't know that we realize how much that aspect of us is affected when we're grieving. And studies will show us that intentional deep breathing helps to calm that body's natural fight, flight, or freeze response that we can get into. So just pick something that you do every single day. Maybe it's sitting at a stoplight. Maybe it's brushing your teeth. And just take that time to on purpose take five to ten deliberate breaths. Just something simple where you're noticing your breath going in and you're noticing your breath going out. And then just paying attention to what are all the other things around you, the sounds, the sensations you're feeling. Because if you can get yourself to a place of calm in that moment, it's so easy to refer back to that place no matter where you are or what you're doing. And I think also just taking time to tune into the emotions and thoughts that, that we have when we're talking to other people about our grief. Because... It can be so easy for us to push them aside because we want to be present with that person or we don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. But by acknowledging these responses, we're able to stay connected to our own experience so that we're not holding that and building that up. Um, and it also helps us to make choices about what is it that I need in this moment? Because it can also be really easy to just numb out or just kind of be in a daze. And then we reach for things that maybe aren't going to help us down the road to feel relief or to feel healthy. That's fantastic. Those are great, great recommendations. We'll come into that a little bit more in the next uh, segment as well. But uh, with the music here going, it's time for a short break. We will be right back to continue our conversation about grief in the holidays with Heidi Simon. Please stay with us. Pushing each other to the limits. We were learning quicker. It's the best time of the year. Toyotathon is on. Rudy Luther Toyota has the 2019 models in stock, and to make room, the 2018s have to go. There are huge incentives from Toyota, and on top of that, Rudy Luther has additional huge discounts. And remember, you get my favorite perk from Rudy Luther, the Luther Advantage Card, which gets you 10 cents off per gallon at Holiday Station stores for three years with every vehicle purchase. Rudy Luther Toyotathon is on. Stop in today. The southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Hi, this is Laura Headland. Check out Food Freedom Radio anytime on podcast. We've had some fun shows this fall. We had Brian DeVore with Wildly Successful Farming. We had the president of the Minnesota Farmers Union. We played clips from the Governor's Forum, so we had the whole show with Tim Walls. And then we'll be talking with IETP on the update NAFTA plan. So tune to Food Freedom Radio live Saturdays at 8 a.m. or anytime via podcast at am950radio.com. 
Bowery Hill Meats, your neighborhood full-service butcher shop that works directly with family farms. Using whole animals gives Lowry Hill Meats the benefit of preparing custom cuts and dry aging. They offer beef, lamb, goat, pork, and poultry, including whole duck, roasting hens, turkey, quail, pheasant, and Cornish hens. Their sausages are made fresh in-house weekly using 40 rotating recipes. Try their handcrafted sandwiches. They are second to none. Lowry Hill Meats is located at 1934 Hennepin Avenue in Minneapolis or online at LowryHillMeats.com. I'm Connie Burek, co-host of Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show. Join Michelle Kitzmiller and I as we focus on all aspects of health, wellness, spirituality, and growth from a mind, body, spirit, emotion perspective. On the Awakened Living Radio Show, we will discuss stress, self-care, fear, happiness, beliefs, communication, joy, pain, trauma, and more. Join us for the Awakened Living Infusion radio show Saturdays at 10 a.m. Let us share with you ways to infuse vitality into life. Total Dog Company is the destination dog food and gear store on the west side of the Twin Cities with easy access off of 169. We have a growing group of loyal customers and increasing numbers of referrals from dog professionals and dog parents because we carry quality products, give sound advice, and are easy to do business with. Total Dog Company keeps up on the latest developments in dog nutrition and products. Find us in New Hope off of 169 at 9432 36th Avenue North and at TotalDogCompany.com. Warning. Last year, over 40,000 Americans died in car-related accidents. Not a pleasant thought, is it? In fact, as thoughts go, it's downright depressing. Well, that's where we can help cheer you up. We're StandUpRecords.com, and we offer the finest in CDs, DVDs, downloads, and merchandise from the best comedians on Earth. Artists like Mark Marin, Maria Bamford, Eddie Pepitone, and Doug Stanhope. Available at fine record stores, Amazon.com, and the iTunes Music Store. That's StandUpRecords.com. Come on, listen to us while you're driving. Live dangerously. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Sam Turnberg. Today there's flurries before noon with a high near 15. Tonight is partly cloudy with a low around 20. Tomorrow will be partly sunny with a high near 32. Monday cloudy with a high near 29. And New Year's Day mostly cloudy with a high near 4. Break away from the ordinary and find a list of one-of-a-kind local restaurants at eatlocalminnesota.com. From elegant to casual, exotic to comfort food, and more, these restaurants offer some of the best cuisine in the Twin Cities. Support your local businesses at eatlocalminnesota.com. You are listening to the Minnesota Health and Wellness Show. This radio program is brought to you each week by Minnesota Hospice, an independent physician-owned medical practice serving local Minnesota communities for over 10 years with innovative and comprehensive end-of-life health care. If you have any questions regarding end-of-life care or support, please contact the compassionate team of experts at Minnesota Hospice at 952-898-1022 or online at minnesotahospice.com. My name is Ken Hagland, and joining me today in studio is Heidi Simon, hospice social worker with Minnesota Hospice. And we have a very special program that we are doing today, and we are talking about grief and the holidays. And last segment, we, we talked about ways in which to deal with and strategies in which to move through that process. And Heidi, I want to uh, invite you to share your personal story of loss and the holidays in this segment. Would you uh, mind doing that? Well, I'd, I'd be honored to, Ken, and at the same time, as I'm sharing my story, I just want to extend... Um, just my heart and my arms out to all of you out there listening who are in that tender place of experiencing the loss and the grief of a loved one. So my son Kyle was two and a half when he was diagnosed with cancer. And a little over two years of, of that journey, we were told that a cure was not to be found. And you know, throughout that journey of the diagnosis and the relapse and the last weeks of his life, which involved hospice, that whole period was from about the beginning of November until the day that he died, which was December 18th. And then, of course, his birthday is January 2nd. So not only were we in the midst of this holiday season, but there's a birthday. And 
that's also a reminder of all the things that he wouldn't be here for with us. And so the milestones and the experiences of his life that were no longer going to be shared with us, our journey was looking very, very different. So for this, for us, this time of year embodies so much significance. There are so many things that are weaved into this, not only the experience that he had, the difficulties and the challenges, and of course, losing him, but there was also the fond memories and the joys. And so it can be a kind of a complex time for us. There's a lot of emotions and a lot of different thoughts that, that have come up for each one of us. At that time, they had told us that we were looking at three months. And of course, we held on to the idea that we had all of that time together. But then as he started to become weaker and experience more discomfort, I knew that we couldn't we couldn't wait. I knew that we weren't going to have that time. And Christmas was right around the corner. And I have two other sons and family that we wanted to experience this with him. So we we put a Christmas together. We gathered everyone together. We had Santa come. And I can tell you, it was very powerful. And still to this day for me, I can recall that memory very vividly. And there is such a magic to being able to watch him sit on Santa's lap. He was so innocent and so joyful. I, I can't even really describe what that image was like. Um, it was almost as if time had froze and he and my other two sons could just be children. They could just embrace the moment and focus on something so different than what we had been focusing on all those months and, and at that point, years, and really what the road ahead was going to look like. Um, yeah, it's just one of the most cherished memories that I have. Wow. I, Heidi, I'm just curious, how has this event and how this period of time impacted this time of year for you and your family going forward? Well, I like to compare it to really any journey you might take because it absolutely is an accumulation of steps. Um, in the beginning, it was for, honestly, it was putting one foot in front of the other, taking one step at a time. And for me, I found that the days before a holiday or a significant anniversary date of, of his or something that we had gone through, it, that's when my grief became intense. It was it was that anticipatory grief as that date or that holiday was approaching. Because of that, I realized I needed to give myself permission to be able to decide in the moment if I would, you know, let's say attend a gathering. Maybe it was uh, family getting together, any sort of an outing. I needed to know that I had a way out if I needed it. So I just started to tell people, I'm an, a no RSVP person. I'm just not going to be somebody who can tell you if I'm going to show up or not. And, of course, because people care, you know, I would hear things like, well, you should just come because you'll feel better. Or, well, it's been this long. Shouldn't it be a little bit easier for you? Boy, I tell you, how, how do you, as a person, but also as a professional mm -hmm. who has training, how do you respond to that? <laughs> Even though it's, it's done, I think, in a good, good place. Right. It's still, how do you respond to that? Yeah. Well, Ken, I think at any moment we are always swimming in a sea of grace, regardless of what's happening. So it's a great question because even though there are loving intentions in all of that, there's also the reality that they can't possibly know what you feel or what's best for you when they aren't walking in that experience, when they're not in your shoes. So I found that when I honored my own need to just not RSVP, that was really transformative to me and for me. Because um, there were times that I didn't go, but having the room to grieve allowed me to also release what I needed to. And then if it was possible for me to be a part of it somehow, then I could. Because sometimes it was just a matter of, I'm not going to be able to do it. Move through my grief and then for whatever reason and I was just able to participate. So I think it's just a constant experience of releasing and allowing and just letting go of all of the I should haves and I could haves and just being in the moment to allow those feelings of sadness. And there were also times where humor would show up 
once that release could happen. Humor is another release. Humor is another, another way that we cope. And that was very much a part of Kyle. He was always teasing people and in the midst of the most difficult things he was experiencing, he would rely on his humor. And for a lot of us in the family, that's what got us through. Um, sleep. Sleep is something that we're not always guaranteed is going to look the same way. So grabbing onto that and, and getting that whenever possible is really important. Um, there were also other experiential things that, um, that I needed to move through, like the holidays. When I started to see holiday decorations come up, um, boy, that would really touch my pain. And I have to say, holiday music, that was like a laser right into that grief wound and if that came on I knew I, I was just very very sad so I just at that time I chose not to listen to it and I just found other other forms of entertainment that I knew would be kind of safe for me so that I could get through the rest of my day and and not be moved to a place where I just didn't need to be at that time just taking care of myself um you know and one of the traditions that was mine that I always did that was difficult for me was being able to put my boys ornaments on the tree to do that decorating and at the same time I knew that my boys deserved to have a child's experience of the holiday season so it was the little things like instead of me decorating the tree I started asking my sons to do it and at that time they were 12 and 9 years old and so they would take the ornaments out and and something really meaningful started to happen as as we started doing that, because as they would start pulling the ornaments out, they would find one that maybe they made at school. And so then that created a conversation and they would have a memory that I didn't necessarily have about how that ornament got made or what it meant to be able to give that to me or to their dad or whoever that was intended for. Um, or it was a teacher that had a significant relationship with them. So it came from a, my need to be able to cope but it also allowed for their joy and out of that it became a new tradition for us so they were the ones that would put up the decorations wherever they wanted so I let go of whatever that was supposed to look like which we had some interesting looks at our house um, but they felt so proud of that and that led to uh, you know they string the light so that each Part of everything about the holiday and doing that was something that they were doing. They could feel good about it. It wasn't a focus of, well, mom wasn't able to do that or why isn't mom doing that? It became their contribution. And even to this day, they're well into their 20s. They still participate. They still, you know, will look at me and I'll look at them and, yep, there they go. They get the box and they just start going. So, I, you know, I can only speak to my experience of grief in the holidays but when I think about what mattered I also think that it's about what others did or didn't do that was important well tell us more about that I'm, I'm interested in hearing about the others well first letting go of those expectations we talked about that not having that commitment and being held to that RSVP it was not only creating space for peace and allowing for what I needed. It also showed others that when they or someone that they know is grieving, it is not about the schedule or about the way it's always been. It's about allowing for change and being flexible that then creates that new possibility. And even though grief is painful, it's been one of my most significant teachers. We may not think that it creates possibility, but it's amazing what happens when we make room for it to be expressed. And by doing this for someone else, we learn that it's okay for us to do it for ourselves. And then there's hope in that. So I think being gentle with yourself, this is the time to put yourself first. So if you ask yourself, what do you need right now? What makes you feel good? And then listen to that little voice inside of you and honor what that voice is telling you. Something else that was really meaningful to me was I had very dear friends and loved ones who just continued to reach out to me, whether they knew it was a significant time of year or not, just to acknowledge that they were still there. Because one of the things that happens is you are individually experiencing that loss 
other people around you go back to their lives. They go back to their jobs and their families. And it gets really quiet. So it feels comforting to have people, for me, to be able to acknowledge Kyle, to talk about him, to ask me about him. Because I didn't just have two children. I still had three children, even though Kyle physically wasn't there. Well, that's an interesting way to consider that, um, keeping them present, even though they've passed on. And that actually is a, a healthful response, a healthy response that I've learned from you and how you've dealt with patients and families in the whole grieving process and the bereavement process. Right. Wow, that's fantastic. We are up against a break here. We'll be right back to continue our conversation about grief and the holidays with Heidi Simon, hospice social worker with Minnesota Hospice. Please stay with us. I'm still learning about life. My woman brought children. Appliance manufacturers have announced record-breaking price increases for January 2019. Warner Stellion filled their Twin Cities warehouses so you could beat the price increases with guaranteed savings through January 2nd. Wait to buy and you'll pay more. No matter where you shop, whether you need one or an entire house full, Warner Stellion guarantees appliance savings through January 2nd, including fast free local delivery, trusted basic installation, haul-away, and 18 months zero interest financing. Guaranteed appliance savings now at Warner Stellion. Hi, Gregory Rich, Founder-in-Chief at Habitation Furnishing and Design, and now I'd like to invite you to kill your Sunday evenings with me right here on AM 950 with Drink in the Style. It's a one-hour-long conversation of interior design, art, architecture, and pretty much anything else visual and aesthetic, all while enjoying some booze handcrafted by our friends at Mill Valley Kitchen. Can you think of a better way to spend Sunday evenings? Drink in the Style, Sundays. 5 p.m. The fine folks at Common Good Books will help you find the perfect book for you or the book lover in your life. Find a huge selection from a locally owned and independent bookseller in the Twin Cities. They are always bringing in top authors from around the globe for special in-store events. Open Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Sundays, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Find Common Good Books at 38 South Snelling Avenue in St. Paul or shop online at commongoodbooks.com. Stop and listen for a second. Do you hear that? It's peace, quiet, and tranquility. After a busy holiday season, that's what you'll experience at Big Bear Lodge just off the Gunflint Trail. There's always an abundance of snow and winter activities like ice fishing, snowshoeing, snowmobiling, and world-class cross-country skiing. Then cozy up in one of Big Bear Lodge's guest rooms or authentic woodsy cabins. Come find your smile at Big Bear Lodge. More at BigBearLodgeMN.com. Supporting the best local and independently owned restaurants in the Twin Cities has never been easier. You'll find an expansive list of local dining options at eatlocalminnesota.com, from classic American comfort food to authentic flavors from around the world. Cafe Latte offers made-from-scratch soups, salads, sandwiches, and mouth-watering desserts. Stop in the wine bar and enjoy a unique pizza loaded with fresh vegetables and perfectly roasted meats. Over 30 wines by the glass, Cafe Latte highlights Washington State wines and is the perfect destination for date night or an evening with friends. 850 Grand Avenue, St. Paul. Victor's 1959 Cafe has been serving South Minneapolis traditional Cuban food for over 15 years. Victor's is open for breakfast and lunch daily and now accepts dinner reservations too. Stop in and try the Pollo Tropicale or the Sandwich Cubano, which was featured on Food Network. More at eatlocalminnesota.com. You are listening to the Minnesota Health and Wellness Show. This radio program is brought to you each week by Minnesota Hospice, 
an independent physician-owned medical practice serving local Minnesota communities for over 10 years with innovative and comprehensive end-of-life health care. If you have any questions regarding end-of-life care or support, please reach out to the compassionate team of experts at Minnesota Hospice at 952-898-1022 or visit online at minnesotahospice.com. My name is Ken Hagland, and joining me today in studio is Heidi Simon, hospice social worker with Minnesota Hospice, and we are talking about grief and the holidays. And Heidi, I want to just thank you for sharing with us your powerful personal story of your son, Kyle. I would like to have you talk more briefly about some of the things that you have done in the healing process since then. Right. Well, ultimately, you know, dying is about living. And it's about the meaning of someone's life. No matter the number of years, there was a purpose to their life. They came here for that purpose, and their purpose touches our soul. And for me, I know that after all the experiences that we had and the grief and the pain that that I've experienced, over time that has led me to the purpose I now have, which is walking alongside others when they're dying and their family members. Um... You know, we were talking about... Yes. In, in fact, one of the things that had come up in during the break here we talked about was that I know you get questions uh, about children during times of grief. Yes. And I'm just wondering, could you share with us some of the insights that you have developed um, in your career in helping people uh, through times of grief? Well, I think one of the things that, at least for me, I found helpful was I did attend a couple support groups. Um, For me, it was comforting to look into someone's eyes and know that they saw me. Um, You know, the idea that I didn't have to say anything. They knew the loss that I felt, the complexity of it. It was so helpful to be with people who were further down the road, so to speak, too. Um, To see that it wouldn't feel like this forever and that there wasn't a clock or a calendar hanging over us. You know, I would I would look at them and I would think all that they have been through, and here they are, they're smiling and they're supporting us. It gave me hope that I could get through that and have that experience as well. Now, you know, the truth is that we are not going to be the same person that we were before the loss. That loved one stirred something inside of us, a love so powerful that we feel a wound when they're gone from our sight. And that wound deserves gentleness and time to heal because we are in the process of evolving who we are as we move through this. And I also want to say that if you're experiencing grief in a way that causes you to feel that you need extra support, to find that counseling if that feels right to you. Again, there's that voice inside of us that is there to tell us what we need. I was a few months into my experience when a very loving nurse had sent me a card in the mail for a counselor that she thought might be able to help me through, you know, some of the changes that I was feeling in myself. And if you are a loved one to someone who is grieving, also know that you can offer to go with them because it can be really difficult to ask for help. And sometimes when we are on the outside a little bit of that experience, it might be a little bit easier for us to identify what someone needs um, or just to offer that support. And I think recognizing that this is a whole person experience, um, which also leads me to children because I get that question a lot. um, And this is holiday time. And so it's a very special time for kids. There's a lot of, of things that we focus around what this means for them. And I think we might tend to think that as adults, one of the myths we have is that our grief does not impact that child who is also grieving. And I just want to say that children, in my experience, are very aware of the grieving adults around them. And they they really need accurate information about the death as much as is appropriate. And including the children in the activities and experiences following the the death of a loved one can diminish the anxiety and the fear that might otherwise express itself as as a more negative behavior. Um, You know, they just need that reassurance after the loss that their family will survive this difficult time. And they also need the experience of adults leaning on adults and letting them be the child in this experience, which... You know, they're, they're also at a very different developmental level. So a lot of times, you know, people will feel like, well, 
if my child is playing or engaged, you know, in that way that they're not grieving, which this is a very essential difference in children because this is actually how they grieve. Um, once, once told that, you know, a loved one has died, that's how children will often protect themselves from the pain by engaging in something familiar. They might laugh. They might want to watch cartoons. Maybe a teenager wants to go outdoors immediately and start shooting hoops. I know in our experience, um, not long after Kyle died, our oldest son had a hockey game. And his way of honoring his experience and his brother was to go play that game. And that's exactly what he did. So I think it's just really important to just really look at what that specific child needs and how they move through things. And then there's always the question of, should children attend funerals? And again, I, I think children benefit from being included if they want to participate. Asking the child what their preference is gives them that ability to take a situation that has careened out of control and place it back into more that realm of oversight, letting them decide and then also letting them change their minds if they need to. Um, you know, because they too have that personal relationship with that deceased loved one and it gives them options um, and being able to express what they need to. Yes, and I, I know I've talked to you in the past about um, the involvement of children in counseling as well. And have you, um, I know that you're a big proponent of having someone, you know, seeking out that professional. Right. Because, again, they come at things with experience. They do this for a living. And they can help you recognize the feelings that you do have and validate those feelings. And, and also for the child, have you... Have you ever experienced um, joint counseling where a parent and a child? Oh, gosh. And I would th say that that is how it would be preferred because it's it's done in the family unit and that child is not alone in this and, and it's just essential, yes. And we are also at a time, you know, I've incorporated healing touch, which is a form of moving energy and, and can alleviate a lot of different experiences. But there, we're at a time where there are so many options, um, whether it's, equine therapy, play therapy. There are so many modalities. There are so many things that can be presented to children to help them move through their own experience that it can really be individualized. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Heidi, for being a part of the show today. This was a very special program, and I want to thank you for that. We are nearing the end of the show, and I just want to emphasize how important it is for Heidi to have shared her personal story and her insights into the Grief and the Holidays program. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Please contact us with any questions or comments you have regarding today's show. And until next time, live well. <laughs>